What's going on, cool Christian nerd community? This is your host, your brother, from another mother but the same Heavenly Father, Jamie Centeno. This podcast will help you to be the smart one in what matters in any social gathering you're in while keeping your cool factor. Now, how's this going to go down? I thought I'd hit up some of the smartest, most experienced, most keeping it real people I know to talk about subjects they are prolific in and that matter. If you are a younger believer still working out how you are seeing the world and wondering how a person of faith should engage it, this is the podcast for you. I want to keep it brief but beefy with helpful info. Let's go. Today I'm going to be talking with Bishop Michael Pitts of Cornerstone Church there in Toledo, Ohio. He's a dynamic minister. And I was thinking about this subject, about the race and political wars, and I couldn't think of anybody better to really express this in a way that's so balanced and so helpful for those of us who are kingdom-minded. Take a listen to our conversation. Well, it's here, y'all. It's all around you. If you're alive, you sense it. If you put on your TV, you see it. It's this tension that's happening around us that's political in nature. There's race tension happening all around us. And so today on the Christian, Cool Christian Nerd podcast, we just want to talk about this with a good friend of mine, Bishop Michael Pitts. Hey, man. Man, it is good to uh, be with you. And um, I don't know whether I'm cool or a nerd or a cool Christian nerd, but I'm just glad to be here talking to you. <laughs> nerd is a cool thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm so, I'm so, yeah, you're, you're both. <laughs> anyway, we're going to, I want to get into this because, yeah, you know, I know, and our listeners know that all around us, there's this um, political tension, this racial tension. And sometimes I don't know if Christians know how to respond to it. I think there might be times where people who want to say something and feel like they have something can, to contribute actually stay silent. And there's other people who are not staying silent that probably should step back a little bit and listen more. Yeah. Um, but regardless of all that, just you talk to me about what you see is going on with, at least right now, with the race wars and how you see things unfolding. Yeah, I think um, I think it's interesting because I think that we have come into a season of a little bit of a perfect storm because you have things that are happening happening simultaneously, um, which we have a volatile uh, political climate based mm -hmm. on opinions and positions. Um, we also have racial tensions um, because we have a tendency to see things um through the eyes of our upbringing, our history, our culture, all of those things. Yeah. And, and then we also have uh, a bit of a divided church culture who, um, who are being pulled into corners along a lot of issues as well. So to me, this has a little bit to do with, you know, where, where Matthew talks about um, that in the last times that there would be, that many shall become offended. And, right. the, and the love of many shall wax cold and neighbor will turn against neighbor and all of those things. So part of what I'm seeing is the way I would define it is there is a spirit of offense that has been released um, 
throughout the world, really, but we're talking specifically right now in, in America. It's a spirit of offense. Everybody's offended. Everybody's upset. And, yeah. and the things that we should tolerate, we are offended by. And the things we should be offended by, we tolerate. And um, so it feels to me like what we should think about as Christian people is that the ultimate target of this, to me, is the church and the kingdom. That's the ultimate target. Once we accept the spirit of division, once we accept and tolerate the spirit of offense, once once we feed that thing, then then its ultimate target is the church, because it was Jesus that said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. But to get the kingdom of God divided, which is the ultimate target of the enemy, then then he begins to facilitate a culture of offense and division by which we are we become used to it. And then it becomes like bringing, um, you know, a, a, a lion cub into your house, which is cute and cuddly and everything. But if you keep feeding it, it's going to get big enough and it's going to eat you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we can't speak to all the different people groups that are out there that are interpreting what's happening through their set of values, um, their idea of what the world should look like. But for those who call themselves followers of Christ, I don't know if they know who to listen to or where to go. What would you say for those who are followers of Christ um, of all colors and ethnic backgrounds how do they become the right standard for people around us in the culture to model after? Well, I mean, it was Jesus that said that this is how people, you're my disciples. When they see, not when you say, when they see that you have love one for another. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think true love also carries with it this, this commodity of being able to give somebody else the space for their opinions. And yeah. and to know that that we may we may see a few things differently, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right. Well, one of the things that that's that's interesting to me is how many people that that feels like Jesus is always agreeing with them, you know, uh-huh. sure. because because to me, maturity in part is that when I may have developed a position or a posture on any particular topic only to find out that God is not in agreement with me on that. <laughs> yeah. And that he's cha- challenging me to change. So I get nervous around people who already have a position and it just so happens that God always agrees with them. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that, that understanding one's own capacity for being wrong or misinterpreting something or seeing something in the wrong way I think to me is, is part of maturity. So here's kind of what I build it off of. And if, if you don't mind, can I, can I just Go read something? It. I just want yeah. to read this to you out of the, out of the message Bible, because this to me is, is the thing. This is uh, Romans 14. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do and don't jump all over them. Every time they do or say something you don't agree with. <laughs> even when it seems seems that they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while may be convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another one with a different background 
might assume that all Christians should be vegetarians and eat, accord, eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they fell to criticizing what the other one ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made on manners or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. <laughs> That's such a great conversational version. Yeah. So, so to me, we have to give each other some space. Okay. So let me, let me pick one of the hot topics and see where we go with it. Okay. Okay. So one of the hot topics that I hear people talking about is whether people kneel or stand at the national anthem. Right. Okay. Yep. Has become kind of a hot topic. So, um, in, 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 in what I try to do as maturity is to understand that it is possible for more than one thing to be true at the same time. Um, it doesn't have to be binary and it doesn't have to be one thing or the other thing. It is possible for me to agree with two things at the same time, at least. So, for example, mm -hmm. it is possible for me to be pro-law enforcement and, and to think that people who are serving our communities in a good and a proper way should be honored and we should respect that authority. It is possible for me to believe that and simultaneously believe that you can't pull someone over at a traffic stop and they're running away from you and you get to shoot a 17-year-old boy. Right. It's possible for me to feel both ways and to, and to see both of those things simultaneously. Mm. It doesn't mean I have to be one or the other. I can be both. Mm. So, so when it comes to, for example, like the, the, the national anthem controversy that started, that started with uh, Kaepernick, it, was my, it is my understanding that that was his way, his way of drawing attention to social injustice. Whether it's the way I would do it, or you would do it, or anybody else would do it, doesn't matter. That 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 was his way. Okay. Right. So then it was it picked up by other people. Well, very soon, and this is what we should just be at least thinking about. Very soon, we lose control. When I say we, the the, the public loses control of the narrative, because then someone else begins to hijack that narrative and say. Um, that whoever doesn't stand is um, against the flag or they're against military. So now we start pulling military families into it, which never had anything to do with it. Okay. Okay. So, but here, here's what happens now. Just watch out how it evolves. So then you have the group of people that are kneeling are upset with the people that are standing. The uh, people that the people that are standing are upset with the people that are kneeling. So I'm like, uh, so, so now we're offended. We're offended when we should be able to tolerate someone who is exercising their, their, their opinion. And this is their platform. I'm not offended by it. I, I don't know that I, I'm not offended by it. I'm not offended whether you stand or whether you kneel, whatever. That's, that's, that's a person's business. Here comes my big point, And I think this is what's going to drive it home to Christians because I can, I'm sure even right now people are mad and they're in, and you can tell that you're, you're, you start throwing arguments out into the air in your own mind, blah, 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 right. blah. Okay. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the thing. We don't have any scripture on that. Okay? We don't have scripture in the Bible at what you need to do at an event like that. 
what we do have scripture on is what you're supposed to be doing with your body in church, in the presence mm-hmm. of God, clapping of hands, raising hands. I know people that are upset because someone is kneeling at a football game, but you, ha- but you don't kneel at the altar. Right. Um, you're sitting at your house on the couch, sitting down mad because somebody else is not standing for the national anthem. But, right. you're, but you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. So, so we get all exercised over a side issue. And I mean, I know that, that 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 conversation by itself could go on and on and on and on. And I'm not trying to, to make light of it or act like it's not important. But what I'm trying to say is we become polarized as a nation, as church people over something that is it's at a football game, for God's sake. And it's and it's a side issue. But we're not upset about the people that don't clap in church. We're not upset about the people that don't raise their hands unto God. You come to church and stand there and fold your arms. You haven't knelt at an altar forever, and you're upset because somebody else is kneeling at a national anthem on a Monday night. That's right. It's almost like that decision that people make, it becomes, like you said, a whole narrative about their character and all these other assumptions that come with it. Right. When the, when the woman was caught in adultery, everybody was looking for something to stone. And here Jesus is able to stand in the gap and deal with both of those people at the same time. Right. He tells the ones who want to throw the stone saying, if there's any sin, you have any sin in your life, then if you don't have any sin, you can right. throw the first stone. So he deals with them and he, he basically encourages them to use mercy. But then he turns to her and says, go and sin no more. Yeah. He's dealing with this sin as, as, as well as the person, but more of the decision that they make. He's basing it on that instead of trying to keep people divided. It's something about that right or wrong that, that we're in. We're seeing things so black and white, I think, yeah. in the world that we're uh, – and then we're creating stories around that that are causing us just building walls between us. And that's a dangerous concept to, for just to be, you know, assiduously right or wrong. God wants us to be right. We don't want to do wrong. I get all that. But when you, if you take that into like the legalistic, I got to be right more than I have to have unity. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. my whole goal is to be right and to make somebody else wrong. That becomes mm-hmm. dangerous because that's, that was, I think, part of what Jesus was dealing with with the Pharisees. The Pharisees always had a law for something, you know, right. and they were like, you know, the law says we get to stone her. And my feeling of that, that narrative is that Jesus is like, yeah, you have a law on that. But the question is, why are you so excited about getting to stone this lady? Mm-hmm. You know, but they had a yeah. law for it. They had, they got, they got, they, we're right. We're right. She's wrong. And um, and Jesus is jumping in the middle, as you said, to try to to bring to the situation something that is not punitive, but rather redemptive. And I think that has to do a lot because I think people either see God as punitive or redemptive. And I think that whatever what we are a reflection of God as we see him. And And if you see God as punitive you're always looking for somebody to punish. Um, and that should be, that should be a, a, a dangerous posture to hold because if he's looking for somebody to punish, he doesn't have to go any further than ourselves. Right. 
But and this is important, yeah. I mean, this is the follower. We're talking to followers of Christ. We're not just talking to the world. We're talking about we yep. as followers of Christ are called to be in that gap. We're called to be the ministry of reconciliation. It's for us all. Yep. And somehow we have this we have this other kind of ministry we think that we need to put on that, again, cause people to be divided. So, Well, it's the us and them. See, th- this is what mm. we have to guard against. The, the, I believe Jesus's primary focus and work is spiritual, was and is spiritual. If you go through the, the times of the Bible, Jesus, is, Jesus came to, to redeem, to, to reconcile, and to restore. To redeem, to reconcile, and restore. That's what Jesus came to do, spiritual work. The second part of that, though, was it, it was done within a social context. So Jesus takes the higher order, which is the spiritual work, and he superimposes it into a cultural context so that we could get out of the us and them mentality. Because, yeah. when, because whenever we see an us, then somehow us is in a good position and them is not in a good position. And so the world that Jesus came into was divided by gender, things that women could do, could not do, things that men could do things that Jews could do, that Gentiles, the Jews were the us, the Gentiles were the them, the Samaritans were the them. Right. Um, then you got the priest who are the us and somebody else is the them. And then you have the, the, the age deal where the children, you know, you have to be, you know, Jesus was ready to start his ministry at 12. I must be about my father's business. But the, but the law said that he couldn't start till he was 30. So there's a woman who's who's bound for 18 years in that gap. I mean, there's all this us and them. So what Jesus does is takes a spiritual truth and scandalizes them by telling them the people that you think are the us. Here is a man going down the road. He's jumped on and mugged and a priest comes by because that's one of your us's and he doesn't do anything. Then here comes a Levite. That's one of your us's and he doesn't do anything. And now I'm going to pick one of your thems. Here comes a Samaritan. <laughs> wow. And the Samaritan is the good guy in the story. What, right. Je- what Jesus is trying to do is to break down the us and them and realize it's all of us, our right. father. Right. I, I encourage people to think about that these are not just words that are being expressed, but there's a spirit that's sometimes infused yep. within those words. And like you said, there are biases and agendas that are everywhere. Everywhere. And so if you can discern the, the bias and the agenda and just try to get to the information and then allow um, scripture, word, godly people that you surround yourself with, help inform some of those things, or at least you can seek it out together, you're, yep. you're going to be better equipped with not getting swept up right. with that the people that you're seeing from a distance and that you, you don't know personally, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. So right. you're allowing these people to teach you. But if you let a father speak into those places, a uh, father, mother, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they, those people begin to put a soul and your heart at ease and help yes. you translate your experiences around you. Yes. Well, okay. So when we talk about the fathering anointing, one of the, I love it because the father holds the same position in the, in the story of the prodigal son. The father's heart is the same for both of his sons. Both of his sons are wrong, if that's a term we want to use, or in error in different mm-hmm. ways. 
the the prodigal, the younger son, is is an error. Obviously, I mean his is his is visible, and his is highlighted. But we don't find out until the prodigal returns that the older brother is also an error, right? And the father's position is wherever he finds a gap, he's going to go stand in it. And he did the same thing for the older brother that he did for the younger brother. And that was when the older brother refused to come into the house, the father went out to him. And he went out into the backyard in the same way he was standing in the front yard looking for his other son. And the the phrase, here, here goes the us and them again, because the phrase with the older brother is he always refers to him as your son. Right. Your, your son did this. Your son did that. Blah, 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 blah. And then the father always refers to him as your brother. Hmm. But, your, but your brother who was dead is now alive. Your brother who was lost is now found. And so it seems to me like leaders and fathers should move our hearts together. Was the older brother right? Yeah, the older brother was right. He had some, he had some rules on that one. The, the prodigal really messed it up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the father's like, yeah, but where's your heart at in this? You know, where's your heart at? And is it not right that I should be glad because he came home? When is, when is the punishment enough? Can you not, can you not look at your brother sitting in there? This is, this is, uh, this is me talking now. This is not Bible. Okay. <laughs> this is me talking, but can you not look in there and that table and see your brother sitting there who's lost about 50 pounds during this famine? He was eating with pigs. Can you not look at him? Did you not see, is that not enough payment for you? He's lost his inheritance. He spent all of his money. Is that not enough penalty for you? What do you want us to do now? You want us to now beat him, flog him? You want us to not like him for two years, three years, six months? What is the penalty that he needs to pay? Because the heart of the father is that he sees his son coming and, and covers his, he covers his, his, his filth, right? He puts his robe around him and puts a ring on him and, and gets him to the house because he doesn't want other people to see how bad off he is. So, yeah, well. so I think that's the heart of, of us as leaders is to try as best we can to move people's hearts together and challenge their hearts and thinking. Yeah, it's, it's the right words, the wrong spirit where the father demonstrated the right spirit and was willing to give mercy in a place where the other son wanted justice. Yeah. And it, it is like a cry with the tension that's happening in politics and race, there's this world demanding justice when we really need mercy. Yeah. It's a world, because if, if we really get what we all deserve, we're yeah. going to be in trouble here. Um, but if we would cry out to, for mercy, God will, in a sense, bring a form of justice that makes sure everybody is, is, is cared for and really you know, comes on the other side in the way that he deems fit. Kind of last question here. Yeah, uh, they're they're pretty overwhelmed with it with it all. Yeah, um, the, the politics, the racial tension. What yep. would be like your word of encouragement you can send their way as they're maybe sorting through this, and maybe some of the things we shared here also help. Does any other encouragements you can send their way as they're working through yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, and thank you for uh, for this podcast, and thank you. Uh, especially to everyone that's listening, because, because I don't take it lightly. Th these are matters that all of us care about. All of us care Absolutely. about 
and we care about them deeply and we care about them for for many times le- legitimate reasons. Um, my encouragement is just not to allow that to produce division in the body of Christ in the sense in the sense that remember that the, the disciples went off and, you know, they came back and they told Jesus, we saw somebody casting out devils, but they weren't doing it like us. So should we right. call fi- should we call fire down on them? You know, it's always us yeah. and them, always us and them. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Those are, they're on our team. They're on our yeah. team. Yeah. So faith is a contact sport. And I don't expect to get through life without getting fouled a few times or getting tackled a few times. I just don't want to be tackled and fouled by people that have on the same jersey that I do. Wow. Yeah. So, so let's, I, I think my word of encouragement is keep on believing. You're allowed to feel strongly about issues. You don't need, need my permission or anybody else's permission to do that, but to, but to see yourself n- not as able to be easily captured by somebody else's agenda, man, I just said something right there. Yeah. If, if you can see yourself like I am, when Jesus came to make me free, he didn't, it, exclude me from responsibility but it doesn't make it easy to to capture me in somebody else's agenda because i am free i like that yeah i'm going i'm going i'm going to give myself offering right now hang on a second there you go i'm throwing money (laughs) on the floor so how can our listeners find you and what you're up to get connected with you guys at cornerstone or with you bishop what are some social media addresses or anything you have yeah man um i'm on facebook i'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And um, if, if people would like to um, ever download any messages, it's just very easy. It's michaelpitts.com, michaelpitts.com. And you can download messages and um, the ones you like, you can, you can shout to the ones you don't like, you can send to somebody else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, again, I appreciate your input. I knew nobody better that I would like to talk to in terms of their perspective you think about this a lot you communicate it uh, to people and yeah you're just a, a great voice for this generation to really consider how they're responding to this type of stuff that happens in the culture around us appreciate uh, you well i appreciate you jamie and um, what you guys are doing there in in the city of brotherly love man that's what we should see that's where we're going with this right here you're right yes, there in brotherly Italy. Love. It is the city of brotherly love. That's what it's called. So, I mean, yeah, you, guys are, you guys are doing it and bridging gaps. And, and um, it, it's not an easy process. It is a tightrope to walk. And, um, but, but you guys are doing it. And you're doing it to the best of your ability. And I, I love the church there. It's, I, always, I always love to see what you guys are doing. It's challenging. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you again. Well, there you have it, guys. Thank you for this cool Christian nerd podcast. Listen, pass it on to a friend. This was Bishop Michael Pitts. Talk to you soon. See you, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Come back soon for that digital discipleship fix that you can expect from the cool Christian nerd podcast. I think there's some cool things you can take away from that combo. Come back again because we got some more cool Christian nerd topics. Oh, and if you like this podcast and want to see people you care about be a part of our cool Christian nerd tribe, share this podcast with them. Till next time, this is Jamie Centeno reminding you, it's smart to keep your cool. Peace.